Last year, the Ohio State Buckeyes continued their newfound tradition of producing elite offenses. You can thank Ohio State head coach and former offensive coordinator Ryan Day for jumpstarting that tradition, and I think in Day's fifth season with new offensive coordinator Brian Hartline, a new quarterback, who likely will be Kyle McCord, and some new pieces on the offensive line, I think that Ohio State is set up to have an elite offense for the fifth year in a row. Even losing an NFL tackle like Paris Johnson Jr. and Ohio State's greatest passing quarterback in their history in C.J. Stroud, I think because of improvements along the interior of the offensive line, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka, and also tight end Cade Stover returning, and a new kind of play caller in Brian Hartline, who I expect Ryan Day to collaborate with on some play calls if Brian Hartline needs help, along with a running back room that will be healthier, I'd say for sure, I think this offense will be better than last year's offense. But before we talk about this year's offense, I do want to brush over the fact and cover Ryan Day's offenses here with Ohio State. Because what he has done since becoming offensive coordinator and joining Urban Meyer's staff, what he's transformed Ohio State into offensively, is impressive. You can criticize Ryan Day for his staff hirings. You can criticize him for the fact that he seems to care much less about the defense than he does the offense. You can criticize him for the fact that he seems to be, he seems to not be on his A game against top tier teams, unlike Urban Meyer. Of course, to compensate for that, he hasn't lost to Purdue or Iowa by four touchdowns. But there's also a mental toughness aspect to that that a lot of Ohio State fans have said in my comment sections and in other comment sections and even in their own writings online and blog posts and sports websites. There is There are complaints regarding all of those things that I mentioned, the defense, the mental toughness, the strength and conditioning. However, there's one thing you can't criticize Oh, also special teams, you can criticize that. If there's one thing you can't criticize about Ryan Day, it would be how he has built this offense. That would be it. Last year, Ohio State scored 44.2 points per game. That's the second best scoring offense in the country. Only Tennessee led the Buckeyes there. In 2021, they scored 45.7 points per game, which was first nationally. In 2020, they scored 41 points per game, which was good for 11th nationally. However, that was the COVID year. Only against Big Ten teams was a very weird time to play in the Big Ten, Pac-12, or any conference that temporarily canceled playing in 2020 and then spontaneously rejuvenated or restarted the season. And in 2019, the Buckeyes scored 46.9 points per game which was good for third in the country. I know LSU was ahead of them, and I think Alabama was as well in terms of scoring offense. Let's look at another metric that I found and that I've recently become very interested in. College football FBS team points per play. That means how many points do you score on average per play that you run? Ohio State led the nation in this category last year, scoring 0.648 points per play. In 2021, the Ohio State Buckeyes were once again number one, scoring 0.637 points per play. 
Ohio State in 2020 was 11th, just like in scoring offense, in points per play in 2020, scoring 0.555. And in 2019, Ohio State was third in points per play, just like in 2019, scoring 0.596 points per play. Of course, points per play, while not a perfect metric, is a great indicator of whether you're going to be a top 10, top 15 team, so a New Year's Six Bowl eligible team, or if you're going to reach the college football playoff, as there have been very few teams that have been outside of the top 15 in points per play that have made the college football playoff. With some of Dabo Swinney's Clemson teams in the late 2010s and Brian Kelly's Notre Dame teams often being exceptions to that rule, but Oklahoma, Ohio State, Washington in 2016, most of the Alabama teams all fitting typically in that top 15, top 10 range. And of course, that's also paired with good defensive play on that side of the ball as well. But we're talking about the offense today. And Ryan Day has built a consistent powerhouse on offense, a powerhouse that recently is only getting better. It's not getting worse. And the evidence for that, I'd say, is in the wide receiver room where the current wide receivers coach is now going to be the offensive coordinator for the first time. Ever since Ohio State under Ryan Day began this journey to producing elite offenses, their wide receiver core and their passing attack has greatly evolved. Justin Fields was very talented. However, I would argue he didn't have the same wide receiver core that C.J. Stroud did, which may be the reason why C.J. Stroud is purely considered to be the better passing quarterback, but also I think that's because C.J. Stroud often made better reads and wasn't as risky. Fields, of course, being the much better overall athlete, rushing for nearly 500 yards in 2019 and rushing for a few more hundred yards in 2020. But Ohio State did not even have a 1,000-yard receiver in 2019, Chris Alave led the team in receiving yards with 849. He had 12 receiving touchdowns. K.J. Hill was second in receiving yards, but number one in receptions with 636 receiving yards and 10 receiving touchdowns. Benjamin Victor had over 500 receiving yards. Garrett Wilson had just under 500. Austin Mack had 361. Jeremy Ruckert and Luke Farrell didn't even have 200 receiving yards Overall, really, Ohio State in 2019 was more of a running team. In fact, they ran for more total yards per game than they passed for yards per game, which is pretty incredible given Ryan Day's recent reputation. And that was largely due to Urban Meyer because J.K. Dobbins was an Urban Meyer recruit. Master Teague nearly had 1,000 yards that year, so if that tells you anything about the supporting cast of that team, it was legendary. Ohio State in 2020 finally broke having more passing yards than rushing yards, albeit they only had 45 more passing yards than rushing yards. They did not have a 1,000-yard receiver, but they only played in eight games, and they had two 700-yard or more wide receivers in Chris Salave and Garrett Wilson. Also, Jeremy Ruckert managed to have slightly more receiving yards in 2020 than he did in 2019, despite less games being played. Then you get to 2021, and Ohio State goes from only having 45 more passing yards than rushing yards, and they go to having, like, nearly 2,600 
more passing yards than rushing yards. And this is a combination of the offensive line being less physical, but more importantly, it's just about what Ryan Day wanted to do. Ryan Day had great running backs that year, Travion Henderson, Mine Williams when he was healthy, Master Teague was a solid backup, Marcus Crowley and Evan Pryor were also in there at running back, and yes, the offensive line wasn't as physical, Greg Stradwaro's poor recruiting and development were very clear in the 2021 offensive line, but they weren't bad by any means, they only gave up 17 sacks and the team still averaged 5.5 yards per carry rushing on the ground. It was just against physical defensive lines and physical defenses like Michigan, who had Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, and Christopher Hinton amongst their front four, and against Oregon, who had Kayvon Thibodeau, who's a first-round pick. It was against those kind of defenses where the offensive line failed. But C.J. Stroud had over 4,000 passing yards, nearly a 190 passer rating, and lasted at two 1,000-yard wide receivers. Chris Olave was nearly a third, and he probably would have reached 1,000 yards had he played in the Rose Bowl. And Jackson Smith and Jigba had 1,600 receiving yards. The wide receiver room has just gotten better and better, and I'd say until this year, because I don't think it can get exponentially better than the 2021 and 2022 seasons. It can only incrementally get better. The wide receiver room was increasing exponentially, from 2018 to 19 to 2020 until reaching nearly its apex in 2021, and now it's still somehow getting better. I'd say prime Jackson Smith and Jigba when he was healthy in college and Marvin Harrison Jr. currently are, those are Brian Hartline's best wide receivers. And I think this season entering 2023, I didn't even talk about 2022, but it's so familiar to us that we can just quickly look back Ohio State once again had two 1,000-yard wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Igbuka also had 10 receiving touchdowns or more. They averaged 15 yards per catch or more. And that was in an offense that wanted to run the football more and that consciously chose to pass less despite it being their strong suit because Ryan Day, with new offensive line coach Justin Fry, they wanted to run the football more. Ryan Day didn't make the decision to run the football more necessarily to appease the fan base or to appeal to a traditional type of Big Ten football and or Buckeye toughness. I'm sure those things weighed in on his mind, but Ryan Day was adapting to the reality. He saw the reality that even though the 2021 offense was the child of his brain created in his own laboratory, and even though it was the best offense in America, it couldn't win the Big Ten, at least consistently. I think in the Pac-12, formerly, now the Pac-4, the Big 12, and the ACC, certainly in those conferences, nothing changing on the defensive side of the football. Ohio State in 2021 would have gone 12-1 and or 13-0, winning those conferences outright, likely the latter in 13-0. In the SEC, they probably would have gone 12-1. and I guarantee you with tougher play, they would have lost a regular season game like Alabama did to Texas A&M that year, but they would have smashed through Georgia in the SEC title that year. Georgia, for example, had a generational offense with generational talent everywhere in 2021, and they lost to an Alabama team that in 2021 literally consisted of 
two main players, actually three. We got to give John Mechie credit. The other player was Jameson Williams and Bryce Young. Those three players were the reason that the 11 players on Georgia's defense got 41 points hung on them. Now imagine Ohio State's 2021 offense with C.J. Stroud with three elite wide receivers, not an elite wide receiver and a great wide receiver, a superior tight end, a superior tackle room with Nicholas Petit-Fryer, and a better running back in Travion Henderson than the one Alabama had in 2021, Brian Robinson. That offense would have done even better against that generational Georgia defense. And if that offense was paired with a top 15, top 10 defense, they probably would have gone 13-0 in SEC play, perhaps still 12-1. But outside of the Big Ten, the Buckeyes would have went 14-1 or 15-0, in my opinion, if they had a slightly better defense paired with that 2021 offense. But then you go back to the Big Ten. And you go to the fact that even with a top 15 or top 10 defense with that 2021 offense, Ohio State would have beaten Oregon. They probably still lose to Michigan on the road by 7 to 10 points. And that keeps them out of Indy. And what? They go on and go 13 and 1 and win the national title, or maybe 12 and 2 and reach the national title but lose? Or maybe they still do lose to Oregon because that was a weird low game for Ohio State. But the point remains that Michigan's defense is built to beat that kind of offense. And the reason for that, of course, is because that's the offense Ryan Day runs, so Michigan wants to beat Ohio State. But also that's because Michigan has coaches defensively, like Steve Klinkscale, who I think is one of the best, if not the best, secondary coaches in the nation. And Michigan no longer is only a man-blitz defense. And they have fast and physical players at secondary, at defensive line, and at linebacker. They match up well with Ohio State's style of football. Even if Ohio State runs the football, they match up well with it. So a lot of Ohio State's woes aren't even on the offense. Of course, some of them are. Part of the reason I have Travion Henderson as a player to watch this season is because I think Ohio State is going to run the football a lot. Even though I have Mayan Williams as the better running back, Henderson's the better NFL prospect, but I think Williams is the better college back, I still think Henderson's going to get snaps, he's going to get a lot of carries, and he's going to have over a 1,000 yards rushing. And I think Ohio State will certainly have more than 225 rushing yards per game this season. They're going to run the football a lot more, but still use that elite wide receiver core. So that play-action game, whether it's McCord, whether it's Brown, it's likely going to be the former at quarterback. The play-action game is going to be its deadliest that we've ever seen under Ryan Day. And this rushing offense will look much more similar to the 2019 running game with J.K. Dobbins rather than the 2020, 2021, or 2022 rushing attacks that have had high ceilings but also very low floors. But that's the reason, because I think they're going to run the football more, and that's the offense and Ryan Day doing what they can to maximize their chances to win. But ultimately, it falls on the defense to be able to win the Big Ten and to beat Michigan, because Michigan and the way their defense has been built, the way they recruit and develop there, can match up with Ohio State's offense well, and with almost any offense well nationally as long as they prepare unlike the Fiesta Bowl, and therefore Ohio State has to get better defensively so they can stop Michigan's ground attack. 
then games can be more competitive, the game can be more competitive, and I think that's what's partially going to happen this year, is even though I think Michigan's going to be the better team, Ohio State's defensive strides, more so than the offensive strides, are the reason why the game will be much closer and more competitive this year, despite Ann Arbor now being the home venue. And home field venues, especially when they're massive and intimidating, like the Horseshoe or the Big House, that matters a lot. But this offense, the only defense that has been able to solve this offense, not even stop it, just slow it down, is Michigan's defense. Georgia couldn't stop it last year in the Peach Bowl. In fact, Ohio State nearly blew out Georgia. They they nearly blew them out. In the third quarter, that game looked like it could have finished exactly like the 2020 Clemson versus Ohio State game, where Georgia is just flattened. That defense got PTSD flashbacks to the 2021 Alabama game. It did. But Georgia, they were mentally tougher. They could run the football more. And at the end of the day, their defense did finally wake up in the fourth quarter. And bad defense for Ohio State, especially in the secondary, led to their downfall. So Ryan Day and Ohio State's failings around the defense. And this is going to be the final time I say that, but this offense figures out every defense and every team it faces except for Michigan. And even against Michigan, yards aren't a problem. It's just the red zone. Ohio State scored 23 points last year, 27 points in 2021. They had over 500 yards, though, over 500 in 2022. They just could not convert those yards and those red zone trips to touchdowns. Well, Michigan could, but Michigan typically scored with big plays, rarely getting in the red zone anyway. So again, relating it back to the defense, but also saying that whether it's against Penn State in 2022, where Abdul Carter, Kalen King, and Keaton Ellis, and NFL defensive backs like Joey Porter Jr., and Jair Brown looked like children against Emeka Igbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr. Whether it's Notre Dame, who had Isaiah Foskey, Jack Kaiser, and Brandon Joseph, and Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson, who at that point probably were already injured in some capacity, we just didn't know it, said, hold my beer, no, I'm going to run on you harder, and you can't do anything about it. Or whether it's 2021, where... Ohio State beats Utah in a shootout despite looking completely lost in the first quarter. This offense is legendary stuff. And the fact that Ryan Day has put together near elite or elite offenses for four years in a row, and I think a fifth is impressive. And I think for a third year in a row, they're going to have the number one offense in the country. Now, if they're going to maintain the number one offense in the country while also adapting to Big Ten play, that's maintaining a high standard while making critical changes. And therefore, there have to be players that go along with the change and make improvements or have a comeback, whether that's from injury, whether they're a new true freshman that is more easily molded into the system that has a breakout year or a new starter or whether it's just a player that can make strides after having a good year last year, but not being able to break through. And for me, Travion Henderson, Cade Stover, and Josh Fry are players to watch. None are a true freshman. If some true freshmen do get involved for Ohio State, which I don't think any will, 
But if they do, there will be some involvement potentially at tackle with Luke Montgomery, who's received high praise from Ryan Day and the offensive staff this preseason. Carnell Tate, Noah Rogers, Brandon Innes as true freshmen, they might get some receptions, especially if Fleming, just given his history, can't maintain his health. He did do a great degree last year, and I hope he stays healthy this year, but that's just something to watch out for. On the defensive side of the football, there's so much experience and so many incoming transfers. I don't think a true freshman will start there. But to focus on the offense, Cade Stover, we already talked about Henderson. Stover was a key piece to Ohio State's offense last year. Very key piece, that's for sure. But he can improve in big moments. He had over 400 receiving yards, which is a lot for an Ohio State tight end especially. And he also had five receiving touchdowns. His best games, from my memory, are the Penn State game, where he had 78 receiving yards and one receiving touchdown. Against Indiana, he had two receiving touchdowns, and against Wisconsin, he had two receiving touchdowns as well. But he only had 13 total yards and several drops against Michigan, and he only had one reception for seven yards against Georgia. So can he come through in those bigger games and bigger moments? We'll see. I certainly think that he is going to be an all-Big Ten caliber tight end this season. And finally, offensive tackle Josh Fryer, who's locked down a tackle spot. The other tackle spot opposite of left tackle, which is where Fryer looks to start. There's a battle going on between Zen Mikalski and Tegra Tishabola. Those are the two players who are battling for that right tackle spot. But Josh Fryer's locked up that spot. Will he play at an all-Big Ten caliber level? He was a highly recruited player with offers from places like Michigan, for example, who has great offensive lines. So can he come through? Can he succeed Paris Johnson Jr. at that tackle spot and be a great Ohio State tackle? And for Henderson, can he have a massive bounce back here in 2023? Which, as long as he's healthy, I think the unanimous answer to that is yes, he will have a bounce back season. I think this team, as I've stated many times before we'll have the number one offense yet again this season for the third year in a row they will lean much more on their ground game however there will be game control there will be time of possession games where ohio state if the game's ugly instead of trying to run up the score just decides to run it and go on a five or seven minute drive i don't think that'll be often but i think there will be moments where that is at least possible I don't know if that'll happen at all, because I don't think, even with a better ground game, Ryan Day will want to run his team like that. However, they will have the capability to establish full-on game control, much like Michigan has had for the past two seasons, whether it's under Sharon Moore, Josh Gaddis, Jim Harbaugh. It really is Jim Harbaugh football, is what he has at Michigan. But for Ohio State, they're going to have to lean more on that ground game. Defensively, I've already made a video saying how I think they're going to have a top five defense this year, and that's going to help the offense all in all. The offense will have more opportunities to get on the field and score, and they'll still have an elite wide receiver core, and Kyle McCord is going to be a top 10 quarterback this season, and if he doesn't start, I have no doubt Devin Brown will also be a top 10 quarterback. So I don't think Ohio State's, I think they'll still be scoring well north of 40 points per game. In fact, I think they're probably going to be scoring north of 45 points per game this season. I don't think they're going to be scoring less than 40 points per game. They have too much talent on offense. 
whether it's running back, wide receiver, quarterback, tight end, interior offensive line, the only question on this team is tackle. And if Josh Fryer is playing as well as the staff says he is, the only question mark is truly at right tackle, not even left tackle, which I think is a potential weakness and is a positional weakness overall, but left tackle could be strong with Josh Fryer just from what people are saying out of fall camp. Running back, offensive guard, wide receiver, I think are the biggest strengths on this team. Center and quarterback, there are questions there, but I think those questions are going to be answered in a positive manner rather than a negative manner. Their wide receivers, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to win the Bolitnikoff Award this season, and I think he will have an extra 100, 200, maybe 300 receiving yards under his belt, though much of that is due to the fact that if you've watched my if you've listened to my predictions and my opinions on Ohio State, I do think they're the second best team in the country, and I think it's more likely than not that they win a semifinal game this year if they sneak into the playoff, which I think they will. And in my Big Ten predictions video, which I'm going to be releasing in the next two days, I'm going to show you who I think Ohio State's bowl opponents are. And I've already teased it. I think they're going to reach the college football playoff but I'm going to show you who I think they match up against. And as I've detailed in previous videos, I think Ohio State and Michigan are destined to meet each other twice. Once in Ann Arbor for the game, and once in the national title to decide it all. And Ohio State's offense is going to be a big part of that. And if they beat Michigan this year, the defense will have the largest share of that pie, but the offense will be part of that too. Because whoever rushes for more yards typically wins the game, and this year Ohio State will have a lethal rushing attack. Another thing to mention, I haven't talked about this much, but Ryan Hartline is new as a play caller. That's a fact. Now I think Ryan Day will be able to intervene, and as we know from his play calling, he is a great elite play caller. The reason he's stepping away is because he knows how to coordinate an offense that struggles to beat Michigan. That's the main reason why. I think that if he coached in the SEC or any other conference not named Michigan, as long as maybe he wasn't in Georgia's division because Georgia's a very physical team, and I think Kirby Smart and with the physicality that Georgia has now would adapt and find a way to consistently beat Ohio State. Alabama, that's just the expectation. I think even Ohio State and their fan base with the high expectations they have wouldn't mind losing to Bama every other year, every three years, because it's Nick Saban. Just beating him once every three years is a massive achievement. Go ask Gus Malzahn, who Auburn potentially shouldn't have fired, but we'll see how Hugh Freeze does. But to get back to Brian Hartline, I think calling plays will have its own learning experience. But with a superior supporting cast on offense to almost anyone in the country— with an elite wide receiver room, which Brian Hartline knows well and has awesome chemistry with, I'm confident that he will progress as a coordinator from the game against Indiana to open up the year on the road to the Michigan game and the game to close the year on the road. I think that he's going to grow exponentially as a coordinator from game one to game 12, and then Game 13, if the Buckeyes reach the Big Ten Championship game, or if Game 13 is in a bowl game or a college football playoff semifinal, 
I think it's going to be the latter out of those three. But regardless, he's going to keep getting better and better and better. And if he stumbles, or if there's a game where he just is not helping the team, if you know what I mean, Ryan Day can totally take over. So I think Hartline is a creative mind. He's innovative. He obviously knows how to work with his players, how to develop them. And part of being a good recruiter is having good chemistry and being a good strategist. So I think he'll fit in the role perfectly. But if not, he certainly has a great offensive mind as head coach to step in and take the ship for a game or longer if it's a complete disaster, which I don't think will happen. I think one of the better scenarios and the more likely scenario is the two pair and they collaborate, ultimately with Hartline making the decision as Ryan Day needs to focus on the team, not just the offense, but they'll share ideas, Hartline will learn, and he'll grow in the role. At least Ohio State, in regards to their offensive coordinator, is not in the same position Notre Dame is. Notre Dame also has an unproven offensive coordinator, but that's where the similarities between Gerard Parker and Brian Hartline stop. In fact, it's probably heresy that I even compared them, but Brian Hartline's unproven just because he's never called plays before. Gerard Parker is unproven because he hasn't called plays in many seasons, and when he has, the offense has been trash. I think Notre Dame has soiled their season by hiring him as their offensive coordinator. I think if they got Andy Ludwig or kept Tommy Reese, they probably would have beaten either USC and or Clemson and beat everyone else outside of Ohio State and one of the two teams I just mentioned. And that one game against a likely top 10 opponent, that one win would be huge for Marcus Freeman. But that's going to be the first real test for Brian Hartline, because even though Indiana has a great defense, their offense is horrible. Notre Dame has Sam Hartman, Audric Estime, and Joe Alt, and some other players on their offense that their team will be cohesive enough and good enough to give Ohio State a test and mess with Ohio State if Ohio State isn't playing their A game. The Buckeyes will be one of the few teams to pass and rush for over 250 yards. Now, earlier I said 225, but I'm writing it down here to make it official. I think they're going to pass and run for over 250 yards. In fact, as you'll see in my Big Ten predictions video, I have them still passing for over 300 yards per game, but I also think they're going to rush for over 250 yards per game. So this team is going to be, they're going to get a lot of yards on the ground through the air, and they're going to translate into points. They're not going to be empty yards like you find sometimes with certain offenses. Like Oregon's, for example, last year went for it too many times on fourth down and failed too many times on fourth down. They had a ton of of empty yards. Just look at the Oregon State game, for example. That's not going to be Ohio State here. Not one bit. They'll have a top five scoring offense, and they'll finish top five in points per play. This is being very generous, and I'm only doing this because they're changing their scheme, and because Brian Hartline is going to be calling plays, so there's variability there, but it's a guarantee they're going to be top five in both of those metrics. I'm going to come out and say that I think they're certainly going to be top two, Probably going to be number one in both categories, but you never know. So just putting them in that top five category, I think, might be the wiser thing to do. They're strong at running back, offensive guard, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. This offense 
I've given tons of reasons why, is going to be number one, or at least number two, number three in the country in 2023. They're going to be in that elite category. And that's thanks to Justin Fry. That's thanks to Tony Alford, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, and to all of the players, all the players that are going to be starting for Ohio State, especially Carson Hinsman, Donovan Jackson, Matthew Jones, players like Marvin Harrison Jr. The offensive line is just so important, and when you have a unicorn like Marvin Harrison Jr., that helps as well. Thank you guys for watching this video. If you liked it, please hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I release more Big Ten content and college football content as well. I'm going to be talking about the ACC tomorrow and their expansion rumors. I want to do more research on it. And I'm also going to be releasing my Big Ten predictions video, my final Big Ten predictions video, within the next two days. And that's when my giveaway will occur. So hit the notification bell so you can get notified when that video drops, so you can go watch it, like it, comment to enter the giveaway, and watch it all the way through. I'll see you later, guys. And if you're on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, please hit that follow button to support this community. Bye-bye.